The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning, everybody. We started the morning, thank you, Reiko Odelaine, with parts of the four seasons in this service when we begin with words from Annie Dillard, who wrote, we are here to abet creation and to witness to it, to notice each other's complex nature and beautiful face so that creation need not play to an empty house. So here we gather. Welcome, everyone. I'm Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister of this community. I'm up here in the chancel with Reverend Laura Shenham, our minister of congregational life, and Dennis Adams, our worship associate for this day. We are joined today by the choir, by the bell choir. Thank you, Mark Sumner and Reiko and Bill Gans for being part of bringing us extraordinary music. Thank you to Athena Papadakos for helping us put together our flower communion and our flower team, um, makers of joy and beauty, all year long have been making gorgeous arrangements possible. But this service, if you don't already know, has increasingly become a bookend to Unitarian Universalist years of life together. So the service that begins in the fall, as we will again next year with water, waters brought from your travels or symbolic of where you've been emotionally, spiritually, physically, becomes the water that we bless babies with throughout the year, engage in other rituals with, but then we end the service with a service where we bring flowers and receive them, and we'll say more about that, this symbol of what actually is fed and nourished through the year. So welcome to this extraordinary service. That's the end to our official church year, although we go strong through the summer, so we'll see you all throughout the summertime. I hope you have an order of worship. If you're joining us online, welcome online. I hope you also have an order of worship so you can follow along. There's um, Gregory Stevens on chat, so if you're having any issues or questions, he's there to answer your questions. So let's take a deep breath and let go of the week ahead that's waiting just beyond the doorway for us and the week behind with all of its joys and struggles. Take a deep breath and bring ourselves fully to this hour, to this time, to this place, and to the purposes for which we gather to reflect, to celebrate all of the joy and the meaning that we draw from moments like this apart from the busyness of the world. Welcome. And if you have a candle at home and are watching us on live stream or a chalice, please feel free to light it and join us in these words. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. So our opening hymn, Life Calls Us On, is a hymn that has been intimately woven into my ministry. It was first introduced when I walked the stage at, Grand, um, at General Assembly, when I received preliminary fellowship, and then also through my ministry in Wenatchee. And so I'm really pleased that we're singing it here today. So as you are willing and able, please rise and voice our body to sing our opening hymn, Life Calls Us On. now we gather 
blessings we have known. With our pledge to one another, that we journey not alone. Joy and sorrow make us
for our unison covenant and sung doxology. These are the promises that we make to our community and to each other. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom and to help one another. As is the tradition of this church, when we have lost a member of our congregation, we extinguish candle. On May 31st, Louise Heinemann, longtime and beloved member and wife of Donald Heinemann, who we lost last year, passed away. She was an extraordinary woman and a strong and vibrant presence here in our community, and she will be greatly missed. We extinguish a candle on our altar in recognition of this loss. May our love extend to her family and wrap them in that love. I'd like to welcome any visitors that are joining us for the first time today, both in our sanctuary and online. We uh, welcome you. Make sure you have your order of service that will guide you through our service, as well as let you know any announcements that you're welcome to join in. Please have a cup of coffee and enjoy our courtyard. This Sunday is our annual meeting, so coffee hour might be a, not as robust as usual as our members need to check in to be part of the democratic process, which is one of our values. All decisions are made by the members of this congregation. There is no pope or guru. 
who calls the shots. We might think there is, but there's not. For our members and other friends who want to be at the meeting, you will sign in at the doors at TSK and enter the room. I'd like to invite Dolores and David up to make an announcement. Hello again, dear friends. David and I were so honored to be asked to be co-chairs of the pledge drive for this fiscal year 2023-24. We want to tell you how much we appreciate all of you who helped make this year's annual giving effort a success. The 175 member households and the almost 30 new members and guests who pledged this year. Because of your generosity, we now have raised 735,000 of our $750,000 goal. As a reflection, <laughs> as a reflection of this effort, we want to show our thanks to our members, new friends, and visitors who pledged this year. So today, after service and before our annual meeting, you are all invited to a special luncheon in the Martin Luther King Room, hosted by the Stewardship Committee. Then for dessert, the Membership Committee will bring a special cake for all of us to enjoy and to add to the celebration. We are grateful for your generosity and support of this unique community. You made the continued work, hope, and dreams for the future of this congregation possible. See you at the luncheon. Thank you. Thank you so much, David and Dolores, for spearheading that effort. We're so grateful for your contribution. Even if you're going to the lunch, we are asking that you only enter lunch after first checking in at TSK. Please don't circumvent that process. We will try to make check-in swift, okay? Now, I would like to take a moment to acknowledge all those who made our religious education for children and youth possible this year. Without them, our program would not have thrived the way it did. I would not have had the support that I needed, and we, our children would not have blossomed as much as they did this year. So if you will uh, entertain me for a moment. Our Family Ministry Committee members would please rise led by Sarah Faree, Courtney Young-Law, Harry Morin, Simi Cover, Danielle Cronenberg, and Sam Hamner. Thank you so much for your support this year. Thank you so much to Courtney and Harry, who led and worked with the transition, both of the pandemic and the transition of ministry. I'm so grateful for your, your um, 
participation and your support during that process for our children, our youth, and our families. So grateful. They will be rotating off, as well as Sam Hamner will be rotating off, and we'll be having um, Jay Gupta and Robert Jumonovil joining us on the committee. So, for the volunteers in our classrooms, if you could please rise. Cinnamon Anderson, Harry Arthur, John Alden, Allison Block, Jayanti Chapeau, Cheryl Daner, Sarah Faree, Christina Hamner, Sam Hamner, Robert Jumonovil, Carolyn Kahoot, Daniel Cronenberg, Danielle Cronenberg, Vicki Lang, Harry Morin, Miriam Morin, Ruth Wong, Teresa Goebel, Simi Cover, and Faye Yi. We needed <laughs> all of you. All of you made our classrooms possible this year. And I forgot one name on that list. Vanessa Southern. She also stepped in. She was with our high schoolers while I was in here with you one Sunday. So thank you, Vanessa, as well. To all those who led all ages workshops, Maddie Gerlach, Erica Murray, Andre Glace, Louise Disregard, and Theta Burke, thank you so much for your help and opportunities that you provided our children and youth. And then we had several events this year in Hannah Hart, Chris Law, Courtney Young Law, Mark Furry, and Christine Patch Lindsay, amongst many others, also helped with those. So thank you so much for that. And then we had two really super volunteers that were here almost every single Sunday with our middle schoolers Sam King and Helen Everbach. Is Helen here? I don't see Helen. Oh my gosh, they did amazing work. They were here almost every Sunday, and I'm so grateful for them. We also had somebody from Faithful Fools that came in and met with our middle school and high schoolers, Selena Lane. She's not here, but let's send our love to her. It was wonderful to have her presence. And then, of course, I couldn't do this without our amazing religious education staff who aren't in here because they're either taking care of children or setting up for the RE end of year party. And that's Bernasia Cates, Connor Shinnam, and Alicia Cover. Yeah. So thank you so much to all who helped make the program lively and wonderful. I'm so grateful. Now is our time to greet one another. And we have a little twist in it today. If you have flowers to add to our bouquets, please come up and place them in the vases as you do so and then continue to greet each other. Welcome. Good morning. I'm Merrick Munn. I'm the chair of the SCW Scholarship Committee. And today, thank you, and today's offering will be going to support our work. The SCW was founded in 1873, I believe, uh, to support 
community work, both within these walls and outside these walls. And the scholarship committee is one of the things we do to do that work. Our scholars are San Francisco high school graduates who are the first generation of their family to graduate from college. And I thought maybe you'd enjoy uh, meeting one of them by video, Pedro Martinez, who has a fabulous mentor, Stephanie Gowan. So Jonathan, take it away. My name is Fernando Martinez. I'm an SCW scholarship recipient since 2018. After graduating Mission High School, I started from the UCC where I'll be graduating this quarter. Hopefully after college, I'll be continuing my career in technology. Most of the things I've had to learn on my own since my parents were really the most educated or well-informed about multiple things, but they taught me a lot of values. Uh, they loved me, we had our ups and downs, and they taught me to share, care for others. I had the SCW community, and that helped a lot, honestly. Had multiple support. Uh, Sometimes just having a mentor as well. Sometimes just having someone there check in, make sure you're okay. That's honestly all you need. I would still like to be able to be one of the contributors uh, one day and be able to help other students the same way that this community has helped me. Thank you in advance for your generosity. And please consider becoming one of our mentors. You can look at the Help Wanted board by the Thomas Starr King Room. And most importantly, we're having a great lunch next week to celebrate the end of the school year. You are all invited. It will be great, it'll be fun, and I hope to see you all there. Thank you.
the story of our year. What happened? Where did it go? <laughs> Here's a quick tour. We started the year, if you remember, in the fall, waiting for our newest addition to the staff and prepared to meet the folks who would come through the door, who would be new to our congregation, all the gorgeous, familiar faces, too, that we hadn't seen during pandemic, as each slowly found their way back. Reverend Laura Shenham did indeed come in September, thank God, and we welcomed her with arms wide open and a list of hopes and dreams, way too many of which she managed to actually get done this year, and she's still standing, miracles abound. We welcomed a baby, Shannon and Will Warto's daughter, Tess Dawn Warto, born on January 31st, and we lost. As you heard, even this morning, some beloved members. But it was always an honor to hear about the incredible lives that each of them had lived, the rich services of remembrance filled with stories and celebration. In our larger ministry, we welcomed the Reverend Millie Phillips as an affiliated community minister, enjoying her preaching and her presence at UUSF, but also taking credit, as we must, in some of her work in the larger world where she serves in Contra Costa County as a faith-rooted organizer for the Faith Alliance for Moral Economy. And so her passions for economic justice and the larger world's health and wholeness is part of our work in the world. And when all our ducks are in a row, which they will be soon, we will formally announce and vote on including the Reverend Shannon Fong as an affiliated minister of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of San Francisco. Shannon, are you here right now? All the way in the back, if you don't already know Shannon. Shannon got a grant from the Hinckley Fund for an innovative ministry that we are going to be invited to be a part of, which is super exciting, so stay tuned, and yay. In April, we welcomed the Reverend Meg, ooh, she was just the Meg McGuire back for an ordination that we did in conjunction with the First U Church of Columbus, Ohio. So joining us in person was Meg's childhood minister, the retired minister, Marco Bellatini, who had served in this community the first place he had been called to serve, hired to serve, the first out gay clergy person in our entire denomination, and the man who was part of compiling the gray hymnal that sits in front of you that we draw so much joy from. This circle back to our history was mirrored in the book, the publication of John Buren's history of First Unitarian Universal Society of San Francisco called A Religious Center with a Civic circumference, Unitarians in San Francisco since 1850. And it talked of all the hard chapters, but all the triumphs and beauty too, that we could draw sustenance from. And not to be outdone in a competitive spirit, Skinner House book published my collection of essays, or the ones I edited and drew together, reflections on parenting and caring for young lives in our lives, and all the questions around that with contributions from some of our leading lights in the denomination. We searched for an intern, but didn't find one. Seminary enrollment was down during the pandemic, so we're ready to start looking again next year. But we also took the time this year 
to engage in some thoughtful reflection as part of our eighth principle work. With board support, the personnel chair, Lori Ludwig, and I, all three of us, Kathleen Queneville is the chair of that committee, worked with Agility Consulting, an organization that took us through a review of our hiring practices, interviewed staff and lay leaders, and helped us look at how we could ensure greater equity in our hiring practices, but also how we could broaden and deepen the way we sought out and interviewed talent with the goal of attracting and keeping the most talented staff possible that could reflect and serve the congregation we want to be. The expression of our eighth principle commitment was mirrored by so many others this year. In the passing of the eighth principle, you will recall this congregation made a commitment to being accountable for dismantling white supremacy in our world, in our hearts, and our institutions. And that took shape this year in so many ways. If there's one theme, one piece of our mission, we stepped into again and again with courage, humility, and a learning mindset, it was this. Among the work we did, our Journey Toward Wholeness Racial Justice Select Committee met monthly, coordinated programming, and put up a series of curated resources on our website for folks in their self-guided journey of understanding and learning about racism and white supremacy. In October, that group hosted a two-day workshop with co-author of The Eighth Principle, Paula Cole-Jones, Paula helped us explore and unpack the cultural adjustments and changes that are part of a shift from status quo to the beloved congregations we hope and are committed to become. This fall, we introduced the oops, ouch, and woe practices to our staff, board, and many of our lay leaders and committees as a way to name dynamics of all kinds of experiences of hurt or harm and moments of our own stumbles in real time. That tool got picked up and used in ways that were shared back to the congregation in some shared moments of learning and healing. It also was part of the work that happened between people in intimate moments, all of which were building a culture that can learn and grow together. In fact, another thing we did this year was to hire Aisha Hauser, UU religious educator. Aisha was a co-creator along with Christina Rivera and Kenny Wiley of the teach-in materials to support UU congregations in understanding and fighting against white supremacy. Aisha helped us through figuring out how to have conversations and weather complicated moments as we do this work. She said, the goal is not that we cease to hurt one another. Racism and other forms of oppression are too omnipresent to deeply to deeply embed it in ways that are not easy to just pluck up and get rid of. The goal is to foster a congregation of people who are resilient in the face of grappling with these moments. We are growing better already at what restoration and healing, real restoration and real healing look like. With leadership from our board, especially our moderator's vision, a right relations team of members and staff was trained and will be invited in the next year to help members navigate some of our hard conversations around racial harm and other covenantal concerns. A white allies group began in February that has met three times to discuss as a caucus group how to understand our own role in white supremacy culture and as allies to dismantle it and reframe our own thinking. 
as well as the world we participate in. And this spring, with a grant from our own Hinckley Funds, Star King School of the Ministry developed the WEAVE program, W-E-A-V, a small group-based program that inspires participants to become agents of sacred social change. Star King asked our congregation to pilot the program, and two small groups just finished yesterday that piloting gathered feedback for revisions, and I um, will join Reverend Rosemary Bray McNatt at the UU General Assembly in Pittsburgh later this month in a workshop to roll that program out. Books were read, there were forum gatherings with topics that reflected our larger eighth principle commitment, worship services with topics to challenge and invite our thinking and growth witness events. Our nascent women's reproductive rights group hosted the Reverend Daniel Kalin Cantor, senior minister of the First Unitarian Church in Dallas in October to preach and be part of a full-day program of education around the world of sacred, the spiritual alliance of committees, communities for reproductive dignity, which Reverend Cantor founded along with a group of religious leaders all committed to reclaiming moral language and public discourse to advance the cause of reproductive justice. In the face of the rollback of abortion rights, Sacred is not just committed to women's ability to make decisions about our reproductive lives and bodies, but also that those who have children to have access to childcare, those who decide to be biological parents to have guarantee of neonatal care and a larger embrace of healthy and moral commitments to our life as caretakers of our new life in our world. We will vote at our annual meeting to formally align, that's not the word, with sacred. There was an RE retreat to plan the year with Reverend Laura. Our children and youth kicked off the year with a waffle breakfast, had a Halloween party, made latkes at Hanukkah, and hunted eggs at Easter so many traditions they love. But there were new classes and traditions to deepen their spiritual exploration and moral formation. The middle school and high school went on a field trip to an escape room and never escaped. <laughs> They're still there? They're still there. Silena Lane, Selena Lane from the Faithful Fools came and met with our youth once a month. Alicia Cover joined the RE staff. Joe Chapeau transitioned off to new adventures, and Alicia's hours increased mercifully to try and fill just a part of Joe's big shoes. In February, we welcomed our unhoused neighbors for three weeks. Twenty-some pre-dawn mornings, you gathered in our kitchen to scramble eggs and make toast and huge vats of coffee and serve our guests so they started the day fed and taken care of. And there were dinners, too, that groups signed up to make, including Ben Bear's OTT Jambalaya, as we welcomed 70 men and also a handful of women this year and made our home theirs. We had an auction with the theme of homecoming, and you dressed for the occasion. And we had a blast. We even raised some money. <laughs> doing well while doing good is something we are good at. We had a holiday fair of food and gifts and wreaths and cookies and more time together as we got used to being the way we used to be, together and increasingly relaxed and safer by the month, 
We also decorated and hung greens and sang our way through the solstice, and some of you gathered for full moon circles and other times to mark the passage of the ritual of the wheel of the year led by our pagan interest circle. There were worship services on any number of topics, including God, and we survived. <laughs> Ones about art, Sean and Fong led us through a stunning Lunar New Year service talking about a song, two different renditions of a song that is sung in that time of year and the layers of meaning of those renditions. There were reflections by our deep, thoughtful, funny, and wise worship associates. And so much extraordinary music. The organ was there to shake our internal organs and bones. <laughs> the choir moved us to tap our feet and struggle to hold back tears. The bells, just like this morning, always moved us to joyful applause with their gorgeous playing, but especially those dramatic endings. There was a parade of stunning and gifted guest musicians, some of the best voices and instrumentalists of the Bay Area, and those passing through, too. And this spring, a worship advisory team has been meeting to look at who and what we need and want to include in our worship calendar that will reflect who we are among us now and who we need to become. And you filled out the surveys that helped us to navigate those conversations. And none of this happens without financial resources. To that end, thanks again to the leadership of Dolores and David who kicked off and nearly we are finished with this annual giving that we do each year where we raise the funds that not only runs the church that serves itself, but that serves all of the communities and people who pass through here in a year, who come to us in moments of need, where we fix a building that was flooded twice this year in the rains and so much else. The gardens along Star King Way have been made new, saying very, very clearly that some ones are back in the building and something is happening here worth checking out. And the tattered banners that came down during pandemic when so much of life got rolled up a little, the banners with their crowdsourced words and phrases went up on the corner where Geary splits into Star King Way. In so many ways, we are back. A hundred people in the pews or more most Sundays, 50 online. Almost a thousand subscribers to our live stream. When before pandemic, we were begging friends and distant family to sign up so we could get a hundred, so we could change the name from a series of numbers and letters to UUSF Media on our YouTube channel. And this spring, our COVID advisory team that met weekly to look at all of the numbers and warnings and information that was out in the world with a safety and health lens. Can people from the COVID advisory team who are here raise your hands? I see Judith and Larry, both of whom are public health professionals. Lori, who is, um, does science and research into COVID teams. 
Linda Harris, who's a nurse. We had people with such expertise that were really agonizing to make sure we could do beautiful worship and beautiful community life and keep you all safe. And that group finally decided that the numbers and with the mask mandates lifted even in hospitals that, that we no longer had to meet anymore. And on Easter, a day of resurrection, we told ourselves we didn't need to be masked, though we were welcome to stay masked as people feel the urge and need to. And flesh is coming back to life, blood into our limbs in every way. There's a lot of good work, there's a lot of good learning, there's a lot of good service and gorgeousness of connection and care to attend to, and we are ready. We made it through. Everyone now, touch wood. <laughs> we made it through. So what did I, what did we forget to name? Because we don't wanna forget something worth naming as we look back over this year. I have the great orange microphone. It looks like it's from the Muppets. <laughs> Any? As Vanessa is doing that, she skipped over a little bit. She also became the chair of the board of the Interfaith Council of San Francisco, the first time a Unitarian Universalist led that organization in over 30 yeah. years. Yeah. We were also able to grant her two months of sabbatical, and hopefully she'll take some more in the next coming year. And with her gorgeous leadership, we all did this together as well. Thank you. Yes, the heretics are in charge of the Interfaith Council. Watch out. Uh, we repointed the bricks on the tower with the help of uh, financing by Merle Easton. And Merle's trained as an architect with engineering, so it wasn't just, it was also the masterminding of that. Uh, our volunteers helped serve uh, 325 families um, through the Interfaith Food Pantry, and that happens about once a month, but um, I wanna particularly thank Ben Baer, who is my co-chair, because he's there almost every Saturday, and he really helped us get through. I just want to say something about on the blessing of the animals we, we had for the first time uh, in three years, and also the wonderful new landscaping because the trees and all the bushes look so terrible, but now everything looks much better. Thank you. Forgive me if I missed this and you already hit it, but the retreat was wonderful to have back. And I know we had it last year too, but it was really nice to have that post-COVID. I missed that a lot during the COVID years. And thank you to all the people who put it together because it's a lot of work to plan. There was so much talent at the talent show. I just want to tell you all. Yeah, there were some transcendent moments of various kinds this year. Anyone else? Yes, we should, we should say a thank you to all the generous people who contributed gifts for the women in Copenhagen. 
They were received with great appreciation. And next week, there's a chance to buy some of the things they made to support the Women's Cooperative in, in Johannesburg. Lynn Harris, do you want to say something maybe also about the Caring Committee, which was, did extraordinary work, where we have people that meet weekly who are trained in pastoral care, our lay chaplains, who do everything from check in on people, send them cards, help them go to the hospitals, sometimes like intervening with social workers and doctors to make important medical decisions and show up in, in crucial times in their health care. I think you did a great job of that, Vanessa. But this is one of our ways of trying to make real the fact that every single Sunday we pledge to help one another. And so this is helping one another made real in the world. And if anybody wants to volunteer for something less than every week stuff, but that once in a while you want to bring a hot meal to somebody who is, um, who is ill, or walk with a senior who's afraid to walk by themselves, or you know, just give a call to somebody who um, could use a caring ear at a difficult time. Please let us know. We're on the Help Wanted ad, too. And also, I wanted to um, let you know that as it has been every single Wednesday, uh, or almost every single Wednesday, including through the pandemic, we have a group of people who have been making witness to the world out in front of our church about our moral witness about things like immigration and gun violence and Black Lives Matter and a million, you know, saving our planet for the next generation. And we'd love to have any of you join us who would like. Eight to nine in the morning. Eight to nine in the morning. Okay. Let's just take one minute and turn to the person next to you and tell them what you're most proud of or grateful for in this year just past.
The flower communion story. The story is adapted from Teresa and David Schwartz with additions from Wikipedia. Norbert Chopik was born on June 3rd 1870 into a Roman Catholic family in Bohemia. As a boy, he wanted to join the priesthood. However, he soon became disillusioned with the church. At 18, he apprenticed to his uncle who was a successful tailor in Vienna. And during this time, Norbert discovered the Baptist and became a minister. He founded almost a dozen churches from Ukraine to Budapest. Yet, slowly, his faith became more and more liberal. He left Bohemia under government threat and accepted a call to serve a Baptist church in New York City. But in 1919, he wrote in his diary, I cannot be a Baptist anymore, even in compromise. The fire of new desires, new worlds is burning inside me. Norbert and his wife, Maya Chopik, found and joined a Unitarian church in New Jersey in 1921. This faith fit them. Once World War I ended and the Chopik's home country became independent, Norbert and Maha chose to return home to Czechoslovakia. There they founded a Unitarian church called the Prague Liberal Religious Fellowship and it began to thrive. To lead this church, however, required some creative rethinking of what he had been taught as a minister. For instance, the traditional Christian community service of bread and wine wouldn't meet the needs of his congregation because his church, like ours, had people who believed different things. To find a ritual that would fit his congregation, Chapek turned to the beauty of the countryside, to the beauty of flowers. In 1923, he developed what he called the flower ceremony. He asked his congregants to bring a flower to church from their gardens, the field, or the roadside. He invited each person to place their flower in a vase. There, in the vase, he pointed out, was a symbol of the church community, no person giving up what made them unique, but together, beautiful and rich. Following the service, Chapek would this time invite each person to take a flower with them, taking, he hoped, a different one than they had brought. In that second ritual was a reminder of something else, how community and life together changes us, how we bring our gifts and talents, our commitments to this community or any other, and then we're blessed and enriched by others and what they bring. We offer one thing, we take away another. All of it gorgeous, all of it life-giving. Chopik was a visionary minister with a church that was ahead of its time, a bold church that took risks and made tough decisions and bore disappointments, all in an effort to build a new way together. First they built a church, and then that was going to be a church that would build the world. In 1942, the Gestapo arrested Norman Chopek. The Nazis drummed up a somewhat flimsy excuse and accused him of listening to foreign broadcasts, which he probably did, and sent him to 
the Dachau concentration camp. Despite all that he faced in the camp, Chopik, we are told, held a flower ceremony with his fellow prisoners, each finding whatever flower or bloom they could among the weeds of the camp, testifying even then to a larger beauty in the world, something larger and more beautiful than themselves, and also to their unity, to their commitment to a life together, to be free to be themselves, better and more extraordinary for that freedom and diversity. Even in the face of all that was bent on destroying them, they testified in ritual to this. Ultimately, the Nazis killed Norman Chapek. However, his wife, Maya, brought the flower ceremony to the United States, to the Unitarian Church in Cambridge, Massachusetts in 1940. Now, many churches end the year with it. It stands as a reminder of who we are as a liberal religious community. What we are doing this together this morning is both a reminder of our history and the legacy of courage and commitment we inherit, but it's also an affirmation of how we exist in a community of values, of devotion to the power and beauty of congregational life, and community that has enabled and emboldened generations of struggle for ever-widening liberty. This flower ceremony, which it's the 100th anniversary of, lovely though it is, isn't a diversion from ugly reality, even those around us now, but speaks to a gentle fierceness which proclaims that in the midst of sinister days, there is always, always a power and a beauty we can acclaim and affirm, and we find part of that power and beauty here in what we are and what we make and what we stand for together. Today, we celebrate this ritual of solemnity and joy. As Chopek asked his people to, to bring a flower to the ceremony and see what they make of their individual gifts, we did this morning. As Chopek asked his people to take another as they leave, a reminder of how community changes us, what it gives us and what we carry forward from it, so will we. During the music that is sung by our choir, those, particularly those who are going to leave right after service, we invite you to come and take a flower that you will take with you today. For those who are staying for the lunch and the annual meeting, we want you to know we'll put the bouquets out in the gallery so as you leave the meeting today, you can take one with you. And perhaps you can use the time to think of one way you may have been deepened this year, one gift, one moment, one friendship, one question that won't leave you alone that you take with you.
Just take a moment to just settle into our spaces. Take in a deep breath in and out. Let us soak up the beauty of all who are gathered here and online. Let us rejoice in the bouquet that we have created both here and here. Let us pray. May we each recognize our unique beauty, our special gifts, and our part in our community. May we continue to see the beauty of the bouquet we create together. May our lives and our community continue to bloom like the flowers and continuously enrich our spirits. Amen. Please join in our closing hymn, De Colores, in our gray hymnal, number 305. Please rise as you are able and willing.
remain standing, put down your hymnals. If you feel comfortable, reach out and connect to the person next to you. If you need to um, you know, not do so, just maybe cross your arms in front of your chest. I'll come join you. All the colors, all the beauty, all the gifts that we bring, that we've brought together to the altar of shared community for all of the blessings of this year, which is only possible because of what we bring and who we are together, we give thanks. And now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.